everybody. Welcome to Coach's Corner. I have such a treat for you today. Oh my gosh, I love this conversation with my friend Emily Fletcher. We talk about manifestation. We talk about meditation. We talk about embodiment. She guides us through a beautiful practice, gives you some homework afterwards. It's just such a great conversation that I know is going to feel really uplifting to you and hopefully invigorate a spark or a desire to up your meditation practice or reconnect to your meditation practice or start a meditation practice. Um, but again, we talk about so much in this interview and, and how meditation and manifestation are so closely intertwined. Emily also has a free event she's hosting on May 17th called Embody Bliss, Unshackle Yourself from Stress, Claim the Bliss That Is Your Birthright. I know it's going to be epic. I'm going to be there. She's going to take you through all kinds of really amazing processes. And I think when you listen to Emily talk, you'll be able to feel her magic and her magnetism and you'll want more time with her. So go to christinehasler.com slash Emily to get your spot there. I'll tell you a little bit about Emily. She's been on the show before. People loved her. So I wanted to have her back. She is the founder of Ziva Meditation and has taught the Ziva technique to over 40,000 people. She has a best-selling book called Stress Less, Accomplish More. And she's also launched Ziva Kids, the first meditation course for kids ages four to 14. Her work's been featured all over the place. She was a formerly stressed out Broadway performer who's going gray at 27 until she discovered a powerful practice that cured her insomnia and improved her health on the first day. The Ziva technique is a powerful combination of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting designed to help you get better at life, not meditation. Emily's mission is to help as many people as possible achieve extraordinary benefits like dramatically reduced stress, anxiety relief, and deep, restful sleep. Oh, that all sounds so good, doesn't it? And remember, you can join Emily for a really powerful experiential embodiment practice on May 17th. Go to christinehaster.com slash Emily. If you are listening to this after May 17th, you can still go to that link and get access to great stuff. Before we dive in, I have a really exciting announcement from my sponsor, Organifi. You know I love Organifi. They've been a sponsor for a long time of the show, but they're doing a really cool promotion right now where you can get a free 30-day sample of their product, Pure, another product I love. Let me tell you what Pure is. It's a brain-boosting blend. It's made with natural compounds that help repair, protect, and feed your brain cells while addressing the gut-brain access. It supports better digestion, focus, and clarity. It's just a packet you can pour in water or smoothie or whatever. It stimulates your brain. It promotes stimulation and learning and memory. It supports strong cognitive... Uh, obviously, I need some. It supports strong cognitive function. But you get a free third-day sample of Pure when you buy the Sunrise to Sunset Kit. And the Sunrise to Sunset Kit includes your green juice, which is... One of my favorites, it has your 11 detoxifying superfoods, including ashwagandha, which is a great adaption. I love that. It helps detox your body of harmful toxins. Perfect for weight management. Red juice, which is a caffeine-free energy boost provided by nature's five best antioxidant-rich berries. And gold, one of my favorites. I make little almond milk lattes out of it, which helps ease your mind into a calm, relaxed state with nine soothing superfoods. It has an incredible taste and it's naturally calming with zero negative side effects. So Go to Organifi.com slash over it or enter promo code over it at checkout for 30% off your sunrise to sunset kit and get your free 30-day sample of pure. So O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it. Get your goodies. I think this is such a great deal to get that kit and get the 30-day sample of pure. So get on it now, everybody. Get your Organifi goodness. All right. And now on to my interview with Emily. 
welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. I'm so delighted to be here. Our interview that we did before was one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. And I was Aww. like, whoa, this woman is a genius. I'm so happy to be friends with her. Oh, well, no expectations. <laughs> Let's hope my brain works as well today as it did back in 2020 or whenever that was. Um, I think it works even better. I hope so. I hope so. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on. You've been someone I've known for for many years and have become greater friends with because we're in a mastermind together and it's been amazing to watch everything you create, but it's been most amazing to watch how you live your life. And you are one of the people out there in the world that really walks the talk and you're known for many things. One of the things you're known for is building Ziva meditation and teaching meditation. We'll talk about meditation, but I also want to talk with you about manifestation because one of my, uh, I don't want to say pet peeves because that's maybe a little too strong, but an alarm for me that goes off in the personal development industry is the teaching that you can just manifest anything you want by thinking about it. And if you're thinking the right thoughts or you're believing the right things, or if you have the right vision board, then you can manifest it. And I know that leaves a lot of people feeling like something's wrong with them or feeling shame or feeling like they're doing something wrong or the universe doesn't love them because they're doing everything to quote unquote manifest something and it's not happening. So I wanted to start this discussion by bringing up the topic of manifestation and busting some myths around it. I'd love to know what you think are some of the biggest myths around manifestation and then really dive into what is manifestation and how do we actually do it? Yes. Oh, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So, and I totally hear you that I, I get that frustration of like, I made the vision board. I did the visualization and then it didn't happen. What's wrong with me? Does the universe not love me? I totally hear that. So I think one myth would be that if if you just put something on a vision board, then it's going to show up right? That, that's one part of the recipe. But if you're going to bake a cake, you don't just put flour in a bowl, right? You need the eggs, you need the milk, you need to, you, you need to mix it all together. That the oven has to be the right temperature. You have to cook it for the right amount of time. So if we think of manifesting more like a recipe and just like all great arts, there is some level of improvisation. There's some level of jazz to it. It's not, you know, I like to say that God is not a short order cook. You know, it's not like I need some eggs over easy and then 30 seconds later they show up. And and one of the big ones is is knowing that disappointment is the price of admission. Disappointment is the price of admission to mm-hmm. manifestation. Mm-hmm. And, and and trusting that even though you're disappointed in the near term does not mean that the thing is not showing up. It just might not show up in the time that you wanted and it might not show up in the in the way that you wanted. And because we humans really love our illusion of control, that part I think is the most challenging for folks is to truly surrender. And that requires a level of mastery to have laser sharp precision of what you want and why you want it, but then full abandoned surrender into how and when it shows up. Because the second you try to control the how or the when, that's when we start to mess up our manifestations. Yep. Yep. So let's talk about the how, the how and the when, because so mm-hmm. many people think that if I don't have the how and the when, I'm not specific enough. I'm not telling the universe what I want. So what would be an example of something? Let's, let's talk about relationship. So mm-hmm. someone might be like, I really want to meet my person, you know, my biological clock is ticking, whatever. And, you know, I want this to happen in the near future. So how can we be specific about our desires, but let go of our attachment to the specificity of it? 
Yeah, great question. So I think, so in this case, the what is very clear, right? I'm assuming if someone's manifesting a relationship that they've really gotten into the feeling space of it. And they've even gone as far as, you know, um, I, I recommend that people make a hundred attribute list of their person, not even because it matters if you get all 100 attributes, but because the amount of creativity and the amount of time you need to spend inside of the feeling of the person to get to 100 attributes is going to do so much for the magical part of manifesting. And if that person shows up with 86 of the 100, you're going to be like, great, that's a win. So I'm assuming they've already gotten so, so clear on the what. And then really the next question is why? Why do you want this relationship? Do you want to feel held? Do you want to feel like you have a partner? Do you want to feel safe? Do you want to feel um, like you can take turns when it's go time? Because everyone wants a relationship for different reasons. Some people want an amazing sexual relationship. Some people want a parent for their child. Some people want a teammate to create in the world. So really what's the why? And what I find is that the more passionate and the more clear you are on the why, more freedom and detachment it gives you on the when and the how. So if it's in the near future, my biological clock is ticking, then I think you could bake into the what, like I would love a partner that we can create an amazing loving family with. So it's built into the dream versus you being like, okay, I'm going to manifest my dream husband by July 18th, 2024, because that date it's, it's actually limiting. Like if, if you, if you get so clear on the what and the why, and then trust that there are infinite ways for nature to deliver your dream to you, then, and I, and I have to remind myself of this all the time. I'm like infinite ways, infinite ways, infinite ways. Cause I recall, I would consider myself a recovering control freak. And so, um, yep, when I start to too. see myself getting in there on the, the, what, um, sorry, on the, when and the how I'm like infinite ways, infinite ways. It's like, Imagine going to like a sort of cheap diner where, you know, the, the serving staff is maybe not getting paid a lot. They're maybe doing three other jobs and you have to be so specific with your order. You know, I want a cob salad, no croutons. I want sweet tea, no ice versus if you go to like a five star restaurant and you just say, I, I trust the chef, like whatever the chef recommends. And so it's, it's that it's that level of difference. And I find that the more you do this manifestation thing, and certainly the more you're meditating, which we can talk about the relationship between meditation and manifestation, which I think is crucial. It's like the more deposits you make in your consciousness bank account, you afford yourself the luxury of really trusting nature and trusting that whatever it is that you pray to, the thing that lives on beyond the death of the body, that that thing has more creative intelligence than we do in our individuality. And so that gives you the freedom to keep surrendering and surrendering to that cosmic intelligence versus trying to control the when and the how. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of recovering or still active controlling control freaks on the show and listening to the show. I don't think the term control freak is a bad thing because to me, it's someone who has found a way to create safety in their system by having control because we all are looking for safety in our nervous system. We all are looking for a feeling of regulation. And for many of us that had the rug pulled out from us at any time or walked on eggshells in our life or unexpected curveballs got thrown our way a lot, we have to control. So in so many ways, it's a survival pattern. It's a coping strategy. So it's knowing that we have this part of us, not labeling it as a bad thing. But what I have found is using that energy 
but redirecting it in a different way. I'm like, wow, I have this really powerful, directed, committed energy. Because when I want to control something, wow, I'm like a dog with a bone. Like I am all in. And it's a really powerful energy. And instead of making it bad or wrong or trying to get rid of it, I have learned to redirect it into intentionality, into my practices. So I'd love to open the conversation about, before we get to meditation, about for those people that do relate to controlling or being a control freak or wanting to know because they're looking for safety, moving to surrender is a big leap. You know, tell a control freak to surrender and they're like, how? Tell me the exact plan. What are the five steps? And I'll try to do it. (laughs) Or that's Um, so funny. Just quick side note. I used to be an actress and I would study this amazing studio in LA and the teacher would be like, Emily, you're just trying to control too much. You're, you're so, your, your problem is that you're controlling the scene. And I was like, I am very aware of what my issue is. What I need you to do is to tell me how to stop controlling. I was totally, I totally wanted my five-step plan to stop controlling. Exactly. And then often the answer is we'll just stop it or surrender. And you're like, what? How do I do that? It's someone, you know, it's like telling someone who speaks English as their native language, oh, just start speaking in Mandarin. It's like, how do I do that? Totally. So I'd love to hear how did you move and then how do you advise people to move from that controlling more to surrendering? Like I know for me, it was redirecting because I, I, I had to do something with all of that energy that went into mm-hmm. controlling. So redirection yep. was a big part for me. What has really worked for you? Oh, okay. So also when I used to be an actress, I remember I would make my to-do lists in the mornings on paper and I would make, I would draw a line down the center. So I had two columns and on the left side, it was my to-do list. And on the right side, it was nature's to-do list. And it helped me so much because certainly when you're in, when you're an actress or many creative professions, it's like, there's not the immediate ROI. There's not the immediate return on investment. Like you could go to 15 auditions and not book any of them. And it doesn't mean that you did a bad job or that you should change jobs. It's just, it's like, I would just think it like I'm putting deposits in the bank account. I'm putting deposits in the bank account. I'm getting better. I'm getting better. But so it was like, I had to make my extensive to-do list, but then I would also write down nature's to-do list because there's so much of it that is beyond your control, especially in a creative field. And so that to me is like the game of manifesting where you're just offering up the things that are outside of your control and making sure that your desires are being heard by, you know, creative intelligence itself. And so I think in this case, it was making sure that I was really staying on top of what was in my purview, like what was my to do. And that was going to voice lessons, taking dance classes, continuing to audition, continuing to network, like making sure that if I really was doing all the stuff that was under my purview, it, that gave me the level of detachment and trust that nature was going to handle her side of the bargain. Now, as of late, what's been helping me is actually moving from exclusively a mental framework of manifesting and really getting it more in my body, because the more I manifest from my body, I think, you know, the body has so much wisdom and our, our limiting beliefs and our fear also live in our head. And so if we're manifesting exclusively from our minds, then it's like, we have to negotiate with the limiting beliefs and the fear, but if we can get it down into the body, two things happen. One, I think that the wisdom of the desires becomes deeper and sometimes even more intelligent. And two, we're able to almost transcend that fear or transcend those limiting beliefs because I believe that our desires are divinely inspired. 
meaning that nature gave us those desires. So it wants us to bring them into fruition. And so if we can get the manifestation down into not only our head, but also our hearts and, and our hoo-hahs, which I would define hoo-ha as you know, both the anatomy and the energy center around your like most creative powerhouse, then it can be a really fun game. And then to your point, you're not then just being like, well, I just give it up to God. I'm just surrendering. You're actually, you have something to do, which is this embodied manifesting practice, which is one of the things I'm starting to teach that has been so transformative for me. I love that. And speaking of not being able to control, my lawn people are here and the leaf blowers are going off. <laughs> Really, no other place in the house I can move. So, everyone, you, know, you I might can't hear. hear it at okay, all. okay, great. Ass, okay, so. great, 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 great. They always come when I'm recording the podcast and my daughter's napping. That's always when they come. Well, yeah. While you were speaking, my son just came in. He's like, "Mommy, can you please flush my poop?" And I'm like, "Sir, <laughs> I'm gonna need you." <laughs> so you know, here we are. This is mom life. We yeah. just surrender yeah. and surrender. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so so much surrender and devotion in it. Let's talk about how meditation plays into this. And I definitely want to bookmark the feeling part, and we'll come back to that as well because I'm all about. I mean, our our coaching institute. We, we train coaches to be embodied and we include the somatic and the body and we, we don't do it all in the head because if you try to do it all in the head, like you only get so far. So we're going to come back and talk about the body and maybe the meditation will segue us into there. But I do want to talk about how meditation plays into manifestation and also maybe debunk some myths about meditation in terms of how long you have to do it, how deep you have to go. Like you have to be seeing angels and hearing voices and chanting, otherwise you're not meditating. There's a lot of questions yeah. in there, but I'm sure you tracked it. Totally. So I'll quickly debunk like the big ones that, so if anyone here has been trying to meditate and feeling frustrated because they can't clear their mind, or if anyone has ever had the story of like, I want to meditate, but I don't have time. Those are really the two biggies. Like those are the two that I see people killing people's meditation careers. And the first one is that people think that they're failing if they can't clear their mind. And so if that's you, just please listen to this. The mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. So trying to give your brain a command to stop thinking is as impactful as trying to give your heart a command to stop beating. It mm. simply does not work. And yet this is the criteria by which so many people are judging their meditation practice. And this is why so many people think it's hard or they're like, I can't meditate because I have ADHD. And then they quit. And then they rob themselves not only of a lifetime of more productivity and better sleep and better sex, but also what I would argue is the foundation for a manifestation practice. And this is actually, you know, what we teach at Ziva is the three M's. So we teach mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And I teach them in that order because mindfulness, I would define as the art of bringing yourself into the present moment. And so most of the apps or the guided YouTube videos or any guided visualization, I would put in the category of mindfulness, which is really good at handling your stress in the now. It's good at a state change, which is very different from the meditation portion of Ziva, which is all about giving your body deep rest. It's actually all about surrender. And when you're giving your body this deep rest, that's even five times deeper than sleep. What happens is that you start getting rid of that stress from the past. You start healing yourself actually on a cellular level. Now, what's interesting about that is if you start to heal on a cellular level, a lot of those limiting beliefs, a lot of those old traumas that have been stuck in our cells, they start to leave the building. And interestingly, that increases something that I call deserving power so that you actually start to believe that you deserve your desires because we don't get what we want in life. We get what we believe we deserve. And that is one of the main keys to manifestation. Because I always say to people, you got to manifest something that you believe is possible. 
It might feel like a stretch, mm -hmm. but if you truly don't believe it's possible, then you're setting yourself up not only for failure, but for increasing frustration and then like a, like a downward spiral mm -hmm. versus if you're manifesting something, even if it's a stretch, but in your heart of hearts, you do believe that it's possible then your, your likelihood of success is so much higher. And then if you get a win, it's like now you feel like you're on a team with nature. And the next time you go to manifest, you have even more confidence. So, so what I find is that the combination of meditation and manifestation is so much more powerful than either one alone. Cause you could meditate all day, but if you are not clear on what it is that you want, then it's very hard for nature to give you the thing. Like imagine going to a restaurant and sitting down and the server comes over and is like, what would you like? And you're like, food. And they're like, yeah, just tell me what you want. You're like, yeah, I have food. I need food. They have food. When am I getting my food? It's not fair. They already have food. And I don't have any. And she's like, just place the order. And that's what a lot of us are doing with manifesting. We're just like, I want more, but we're not getting specific about the thing. And then conversely, mm -hmm. What I see a lot of people doing are manifesting without a meditation practice. And, and look, you could line your walls with vision boards and watch the secret on repeat. But if you're not meditating every day, and I would even argue twice a day, then when you get that backlog of adrenaline and cortisol and stress, that stress cocktail in your nervous system, what you believe that you deserve drastically decreases because if your body is constantly in fight or flight, not only do you not have very much bandwidth to even ask the question, what would I love right now? You know, you're, if you're in survival mode, you don't even have the spaciousness to dream. But then if you did override that and start dreaming, your body's not going to believe that it deserves very, very much because so much of your mental and physical bandwidth is spent on survival, which is what the fight or flight response is. So the cool thing is that if you start meditating and manifesting together, it's like, it feels like magic. Like that is truly where the gap between your desires and the manifestation of those desires gets shorter and shorter because one, you're listening more accurately to how nature wants to use you. Two, your deserving power is increasing. And three, the neuroplasticity between the right and left hemispheres of the brain, it gets stronger and stronger. Like you're actually building the white matter of the mm. corpus callosum, which is the bridge between those two parts of the brain. And manifestation, I would say, is equal parts strategy and magic. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's like we got to really make the plan and then we got to trust. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you, especially when your son was young and you were doing a lot and busy and all those things, did you keep up a meditation practice then? Great question. So I've been meditating now twice a day, every day for 16 years, which I'm very, very proud of. And, and just the ways that it has affected my sleep and sex and embodiment and body mm -hmm. age and immune system and all of it, like it's untold the amount of benefits. And I did not meditate not one single time for an entire month after my son was born. <laughs> and, and I was just in the war zone, you know, and mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is why I've been meditating. I was just mm -hmm. putting deposits in the bank account so that I could withdraw for this postpartum period, mm -hmm. which is one of the most challenging chapters of my life. And I think once I gave myself that reframe of like, I've been putting deposits in the bank account. Exactly. It's like you save up for a rainy day. And I was mm -hmm. like, all right, here's my rainy day. I'm just going to take the deposits and, and cause honestly, even if I went down to meditate, I would have just fallen asleep cause mm -hmm. I was so sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. But then about a month in, I started back like maybe once a day, you know, maybe they were short, maybe they were 10 minutes, but you know, I, it was just catch as catch can. And that's what I teach my students at Ziva. I'm just like, look, 
celebrate all of your successes. Give yourself a million gold stars. Anytime you close your eyes, anytime you, anytime you take for yourself is a win versus like feeling guilty about not doing, you know, an hour long workout and two full mm-hmm. meditations and that weekly date night with your partner. It's mm-hmm. like, that's not the time. <laughs> you know, it's survival mode. But then the trick is like, how do you start back just, just before you're ready? You know, it's like, how do we start to rebuild those habits and structures? You know, we can't wait till the kid is 18 before right. you start taking care of yourself again. Right. right. No, I know. I'm, I was like only a month. That's, that's really good. That's really good. But for me, that's my lifeline. You yeah. know what I mean? Like for yeah. me, it's like, if I'm tired and I meditate, I feel so much better on the other side. Mm-hmm. And I also really liked the idea of like, when I was nursing, that I like the idea that my brain was dumping dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. And I like the idea of my baby like ingesting that. Mm-hmm. And I was also, P.S., I do not recommend this. My book came out when my son was seven months old. And so I was breastfeeding my way through a book launch. Mm. And so I really needed all of my tools because mm-hmm. I was, and I very much, and talk about manifesting. I'll share a manifesting mistake is that I very much wanted my book to be a New York Times bestseller. And we had been working on the plan and the promo for about 18 months. And and had we gone, had they gone on sales alone, we would have been number five. Like we sold a bunch of books, but they just didn't choose us. They just like decided not to, mm-hmm. even though we had sold, you know, enough to make it to number five. And I think as I look back on it, that my mistake that I made when manifesting is that I was white knuckling it. Like I, mm. I was too, I didn't actually have detachment. Mm. Like I wanted it too bad and I was manifesting it almost too much. And I think because my body was in survival mode, because I was, if I'm being honest, like, like just working my face off, like mm-hmm. I was nursing 11 times a day and doing final edits on the book and the launch plan. And my book was called stress less accomplish more. <laughs> and I felt like a hypocrite. So I was like, I feel very stressed right now. <laughs> And so I think I just, I wasn't fully practicing what I was preaching Mm -hmm. and, and I don't even have any judgment on it because I was just, you know, it just happened that I got pregnant exactly at the time where Mm -hmm. I was, you know, you know, just the timing was the timing. And so, but in hindsight, my coach said to me, Emily, like your disappointment right now is because you're making this about you. Like my ego wanted to be New York times bestseller, Mm -hmm. but if, if I had really gotten back to the original principles of why my why is because I wanted a lot of people to practice meditation and manifesting. Right. And that happened. Like I achieved that goal. hundred thousand people have bought this book. And so if I get my ego out of the way and really go to my why, then it was a huge success. Right. It just didn't happen in the how that I wanted it to. Yeah. 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 And so detachment is such a spiritual practice in so many ways because we Oof. want what we want. We really want what yeah. we want. And yeah. I've learned along my life, high intention, low attachment, high involvement, low attachment. And really, that's good. Really... High intention, low attachment. I love mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's, it's definitely, definitely hard. Yeah. But just to elaborate on that, just a tad yeah, at please. home, is that one of the reasons why meditation really helps with that detachment is because biochemically within 30 to 45 seconds of you starting a meditation practice and, and look, I'm a meditation snob and obviously I'm biased because, you know, I found the thing that I think works the best and that's what I created Ziva from. So this would not count for like a guided visualization on YouTube, or you're like visualizing your chakras or even breath work, right? So with, with Ziva, you're basically inducing this very deep state of rest, a verifiable fourth state of consciousness. And within 30 to 45 seconds, you start flooding your brain and body 
with dopamine and serotonin, which are bliss chemicals. And so if viscerally your body starts to trust that it can access the bliss internally and in a repeatable way, that actually allows you to trust that detachment. Like if your body starts to feel that like, oh, I don't need that million dollars in order to feel safe. I don't need that date in order to feel happy. I don't need that millionth follower on Instagram in order to feel successful, that actually that that's an internal game. Then I find that that gives you, even if you still have a mental story, your body feels safe enough to detach from the outcome. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the big benefits is that you, you transition from being a bag of need looking to be fulfilled from your desires. And instead the meditation turns you into fulfillment looking for need. And mm. that's the game I like to play when I'm manifesting is like, where is nature trying to use me to deliver my fulfillment to the world? And that's already like a really powerful mindset that gives you more detachment. What are some of the major differences between Ziva meditation, the kind of meditation you teach and other forms of meditation or like a guided meditation on YouTube or insight timer or something like that? Yeah. So what most people, like if you ask people they meditate in this day and age, they're like, oh yeah, I do this app or this app. You know, that's, that's what we have sort of come to identify it with. And then, or people will say, yeah, I do this type of breath work. And all of those things are awesome. I'm a huge fan of a breath work. I'm a huge fan of guided visualizations, but I would define like anytime someone's guiding you through something, which is most of the apps or YouTube videos, I would put that in the category of mindfulness because if you are directing your focus, then your left brain is on board. That that prefrontal cortex, which is the executive function of the brain, that thing is online, which is very different from Ziva, where we're using a tool, we're using like a primordial sound, a meaningless primordial sound that, um, that de-excites the nervous system, that takes you. So mantra is a Sanskrit word. And man means mind and trap means vehicle. So a lot of people think that a mantra is like a slogan, but these mantras are meaningless primordial sounds. And the whole point of them are to usher you from your left brain into your right, from the realm of thinking down into the realm of being. And then in so doing, you give your body this deep healing rest. So even for a 15 minute meditation, which is what Ziva online is, you're giving yourself like an hour and 15 minutes worth of rest with no sleep hangover on the other side. And so the cool thing that happens is that in the process of that rest, you start to de-excite your nervous system. And when you de-excite something, you create order. And when you create order in your cells, that is the mechanism that allows that lifetime of accumulated stress to start to come up and out of the body. And when you have less stress in your body, that's the thing that makes you better at life. That's why meditators perform so much higher on performance variability tests. That's why they have, you know, brains that are 10 years younger than their biological age. That's why their body age can be eight to 15 years younger than their biological age. It's because you're not only, it's not just a state change, which is what mindfulness is. It's a trait change. You're actually changing your biology by eradicating the backlog of stresses in the cells. So a lot of people think of meditation as like a cute bubble bath for your brain. And that's why I'm on such a soapbox about this. Cause I'm like, y'all, this is the single most important piece of stress relieving technology that really we should be doing every single day. And I think especially as, you know, AI and technology and medicine, as all these things start to speed up and as the rate of change increases, I think that the number one marker of human success moving forward is going to be our ability to adapt. And what I've found is that the, my favorite gift from meditation is that it's increased my, my adaptation energy. And then I think as that applies to manifesting, it's like, okay, if the manifestation doesn't come exactly how 
or exactly when you wanted it, even then you can adapt to that. And so you can still be open to the magic. Um, I'm trying to think like, you know, someone was asking me yesterday about flights. You know, I, I tend to be very late to the airport. I like to get on the plane last, you know, when they're calling my name <laughs> and the guy was like, you know, would have you ever missed a flight? And I was like, very rarely, but in, the, in like the two cases that I have, my immediate question is, well, what magic is in store for me? Like, why did I miss this flight? Like, why am I meant to still be here? And then if I, if that's the lens through which I'm seeing that new reality, that I'm obviously going to be much more open to new opportunities versus like mourning the death mm -hmm. of that one opportunity, that one lost flight. And so I think that if you can play a similar game with manifesting, like maybe it didn't come in the when or the how that was your preference. But if you can trust that cosmic intelligence has more information than you do, then you're like, well, well, maybe something better is on the way. And look, even if all of this is total hogwash, like even if all of this is total snake oil and nothing that I'm saying is true, I still think it's a much more fun way to live your life. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're sure. having fun, then you're much more likely to manifest magic. <laughs> so true. So true. And I want, I know you have, um, bunch of some things coming up that people can experience. But what I think would be super cool right now, if you're willing, and mm -hmm. you can tell me if you're not willing, is there any way you could guide us through, I know you did this on our last interview, guide us through a short process to give us a taste of that. Because I want to talk about the embodiment feeling piece, but it's, yeah. I just think your experiential is such a better way to, to, to talk about embodiment than talking about it. So- Totally. Yeah. So I guess the question is, I want to just know what's available to us as far as music or dancing or like how far can we go? Because to me, when I embody, it's like screaming, raging, dancing, punching. So what would be appropriate so I can understand, like, so I can create the best experience for folks? Well, I think that there are a lot of people who feel stressed and stuck in their, in their lives. Mm -hmm. So I think anything mm -hmm. I, and, and we can say to people, Hey, do this when you're back at home where you have the freedom to make some sounds and to move around a bit yep. and, and go from there. Does that give you enough context? Yeah, I think that's great. So if you feel like people are feeling stressed and overwhelmed and stuck, I can, I can speak to that. And then what I'll do is I'll, I'll guide us through like a visualization we can do now. And then I'll give people some homework right. of like, even like a three song dance party. And it'll be like a little teaser for some of the magic that we're right. going to create on the Embody Bliss event. Because, you know, obviously I think this stuff is really powerful to do in a group and to be witnessed um, so that we feel less alone. So I'll speak to one of the reasons why I think so many people are feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and stressed and stuck right now is that I think that we're having a bit of a paradigm shift on the planet. And the old ways of doing things are quickly becoming less relevant. And, and look, I'll be the first to admit that, I mean, I built a whole business on framing meditation as a productivity tool. I mean, my book is called Stress Less, Accomplish More. I was like, hey, if you meditate, you're going to make more money and have more have better sex. And that's true. But if you think about it, it's a very masculine way of looking at things versus what I think we're moving into is more of a feminine paradigm on the planet, which is more receptive. It's more attuning. It's more getting into alignment and into the same frequency of your dreams and actually more about going in and feeling the feelings and then alchemizing them versus doing something with the intention to transcend it. And that's a subtle distinction, but I think an important one, because if you try to feel your feelings with an agenda of getting rid of them or transmuting them or going beyond them, they're going to like give you the finger and be like, no, I just need to be felt. And so, 
And I think that, you know, oftentimes the hero's journey is like, what can we create out in the world versus the heroine's journey is how deeply can I explore my internal workings, like my inner landscape. And so part of embodying bliss, part of manifestation, interestingly, is the opposite of what everyone thinks. Instead of just like, I'm just going to think about the dream. I'm just going to put a happy face sticker on top of my overwhelmed, stressed out tank of gas. <laughs> we got to just lean right in. And like you said, in your coaching, you know, you go into the somatic work. So I'm sure your folks will not be, you know, strangers to this work. So I think what I'll do is I'll walk us through a guided visualization. I'll drop us down so we can get into coherence with ourselves and each other, really get our heads, our hearts, and our hoo-hahs in alignment so that we can even hear what the dream is, what the thing is that we want to manifest. And then we'll see what's in the way of that. We might even do like a one-minute rant, and then I'll walk us through a manifestation exercise. So Great. And does say- hoo-ha apply to all genders? Or do you have a different word? For yes, different- hoo-ha okay. is all genders. Okay. Thank you for that. So yeah. it's all genders, and it's both the anatomy and the energy center around it. So just like your heart is not just the organ, there's a whole electromagnetic field around your heart. Just like when you see your head, it's not just the brain. There's also a whole electric field around your brain. Our hoo-hahs are the same. And interestingly, when we start to tap into that, what I call creation energy, this energy that could create a baby or it could create your dreams, you know, we get to choose where we direct that energy. It is the same. It can be both the generator to your dreams and also the magnet for your dreams. Mm. And so many of us are manifesting, you know, neck up that when you start to get all three of these centers in line, it turbocharges your manifestations. Like I can't even tell, I can't even believe that I was able to build the business that I built basically working and manifesting neck up. And now that I've discovered more of this creation energy and more of these embodied manifesting tools, I feel like I made more money last year than I've ever made. And I took a two month sabbatical and I was like, wait, this feels like the secret that I need everyone to know. Like, why isn't everyone doing this? So I feel really excited to share some of it with folks. (laughs) Why isn't everyone doing this? Something we'll talk about later as well. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I've had that question twice in my life. Uh, All right. So I would say for listeners, if you're driving, probably not a great time to do this. You could definitely listen along, but if you're, if you have a moment to just close your eyes and really give this your full attention, it'll be a fun ride to really help you clarify what it is that you would love right now, like what it is that you would love to manifest and to help us alchemize and clear anything keeping us feeling stressed and stuck. So let's go ahead and turn your phones on silent, turn off any other notifications so you can give yourself this time, dedicate this to your dreams. I recommend sitting down with your back supported and your head free and taking a big inhale through your nose. Exhaling through your mouth. Another big, deep inhale. And exhaling on the sound of ah, the sound of God. And again, in through the nose. And out on the sound of ah, the sound of God. Ah. And breathing in the word let. Breathing out the word go. Breathing in the word let and breathing out the word go. Giving yourself full permission to be fully here, fully now.
let go. Letting your brow soften, your heart open, your belly soften. Now bringing your awareness into your head, into your mind, noticing all the stories, all the thoughts, all the activity, all the judgments, all the, this is cool, but I'll do it later. I should really check Instagram. I should be answering those emails. This is a waste of time. When am I going to get back to it? All of that with so much acceptance, so much embracing, including all of that inside of the experience. And now instead of trying to clear the mind, which as we talked about is impossible, the only time the brain flatlines is when we're dead. So with no judgment, with knowing that you are not failing, that there is nothing wrong with you, you are not a meditation failure. Instead, we're going to gently bring our awareness to all the sounds around us. And even with the eyes closed, noticing the sights the blackness behind your eyes. Noticing any tastes or smells. And then dropping your awareness all the way down into your heart. Really getting curious, how am I feeling right now? How am I feeling? Noticing the physical sensations in the body, your body against the chair, your clothes against your skin. But even more importantly, checking in with how am I feeling? How is my heart? And with no should or shouldn't, no right or wrong way to feel, just relentless curiosity and acceptance. I'm feeling a little closed, a little sad, a little anxious, a little stuck. And can we be so gentle and so loving, knowing that whatever is, is the portal. So if you had to name one way that you're feeling right now, the predominant emotion, the predominant feeling in your body, just saying that out loud. I feel numb or open or scared, angry, excited, whatever it is, just naming it out loud. Noticing where in your body you feel that feeling. And then taking another inhale. And as you exhale, I invite you to exhale in the sound of ah, the sound of God. Ah. And this time inhaling, but breathing all the way down into your hoo-ha, all the way down to this creative center at the very base of your spine, at the very root of your being. Mm, exhaling on a hum or a sound if you're in public, if you're in private and that's available to you. 
And many of us have been so disconnected from this generator, from this magnet, from this source of creation energy. So just spending a bit of time noticing, how do I feel in my body? This root of desire, this center of abundance and safety and creativity. And from this place, asking the question, what do I desire? What would delight my body? What would I love? And listening, not to the mind, but to the body's innate wisdom. Now that we have our head, our heart, and our hoo-ha all in line, what would I love? And there might be something very clear and very loud that bubbles up for you. There might be more faint whispers, but just taking a moment to listen, to be curious. And once you have an image or an idea, I invite you to imagine that thing as if it is your current reality, as if that dream is unfolding all around you, like you're putting on the VR headset and looking around so you can see it and smell it and taste it and touch it. As if that dream is your current reality, like a little kid playing pretend. You're holding that baby in your arms. You're on the date with the person. You're walking into the home. You're signing the contract and just noticing how that feels in your body. Giving yourself the gift of this feeling because the feeling truly is the secret. Enjoying the sights, the sounds, the smells. And taking a snapshot of this dream so that you can come back to it when I give you your homework assignment. Just taking the snapshot of that dream and inside of that snapshot are all of the clues that this dream has already come to fruition. And with that feeling of possibility, knowing that this or something even better is already on the way to you, we can start to take a big inhale and bringing our awareness into this room, into this time, into this body, starting to move your hands and your feet. A big energizing inhale. And as you exhale, you can start to softly flutter your eyes open, but keeping that snapshot in your mind, that five senses reality of your dream. And then your homework assignment will be when you have time and space, I'm going to ask you to lean into what's keeping you from that dream. Why don't you have that dream already? Is there some story that you inherited from your parents? Is there trauma? Are there societal conditions economics, racism, sexism, old trauma stolen in your body, anything keeping you from that dream. And I'm going to invite you to do a three song dance party. I'm going to invite you to do something I call emotional alchemy. And this is something that we're going to do on that live event. We're going to do it together on May 17th, where we are going to lean fully into the frustration of not having the thing. We're going to feel lean fully into the rage of feeling overwhelmed and stuck. And we are going to transmute that because trauma witnessed in community can be transmuted and then we're going to lean into any sadness that might be there. And then we are going to alchemize it with the most creative force in your body. This thing I call creation energy. We're going to alchemize it with bliss 
and even with your hoo-ha energy, with that creation energy, with that fun, sexy turn on. And then from that place, we're going to start to fuel your dreams with it. We're going to build that creation energy in your body and we're going to dedicate it to the dream. So right now, this is just part one where we're getting our head, heart, and hoo-ha in alignment with each other, taking a moment to even listen to our body's wisdom, to how nature wants to use us to deliver our fulfillment to the world. And then part two, you can do this on your own, or you can join me on the live event on May 17th. And we're going to do it together. We're going to embody this bliss. We're going to clear out anything keeping you from your dreams. And we're going to alchemize it with movement, with sound, with processing and with community. Mm. Oh, that was good. It's hard to come back. <laughs> I know. You're like, good night. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that. Let's mm-hmm. talk more about the event May 17th that you're having. And, and everybody, you can go and sign up for this free event at christinehaster.com slash Emily. And this is just, this is a give back event. This is a beautiful free event that Emily's doing for the community. You told us a little bit about us about it, but tell us more. Yeah. So it's happening on May 17th at 1 PM. It's called Embody Bliss. And Basically, I'm so lit up about this stuff. Like I've been, I feel like I've been working so much harder than I needed to work. I've been sort of like white knuckling or or just grinding a little too much, like using more masculine principles. And now that I'm starting to find more embodied ways of going about my dreams, it feels like I'm getting so much better results for so much less effort. And it feels so much more fun and it feels generative and energizing. And so I just want to, sh- I am the type of person that when I find something that works, I shout it from the rooftops. Mm-hmm. Like I really do say like, why isn't everyone doing this? And so we're doing a big event called Embody Bliss, where I can walk people through these tools that have made my life so much better. And I'm going to help people to get clear on their dreams, do a similar version of what we just did. We're going to take it so much further. And I promise by the time you leave, you're going to feel so clear on your dreams, having access to state a deep, safe bliss inside of your body, and then alchemized any of that stuckness, any of that stress, so that you can instead channel that energy into fueling your dreams. So by the end, when we're in this collective ecstatic state, we're going to dedicate all of that energy to your dreams. Mm. And, and then I also think that there's power and this might be a little hippy dippy or a little esoteric, but I do think that there's power in creating a collective antenna. So when people all come together and get into coherence with themselves and each other, I think that the, it's like the bandwidth on the prayers get bigger. And then, and what we're going to do is we're going to start to feel really good. So we're going to start to use our pleasure to pray. And, um, and it's going to be totally PG and um, we won't actually be doing any sort of like sex practices or anything like that. But I think that there's a lot of untapped resources when we start to use our mm-hmm. bodies to both embody bliss and to embody our manifestations. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. And for people that, so everybody can go to the link, christinehauser.com slash Emily. For people that are listening to this after May 17th, can they still get access mm-hmm. to it? How can they get into Ziva? Can they just go to that same link and they'll be directed to where they need to go? Yeah. So what I would recommend is if they go to that same link, it'll take them likely to our, our podcast. So the cool thing that we're also doing this event is we're doing a big launch party for my new podcast called why isn't everyone doing this? And then from the podcast, you're going to be able to access a lot of bonus footage. So we're going to put this live event as one of our bonuses from the podcast and the podcast is available anywhere that people listen to, to their, to their favorite shows. Like over and on with it. (laughs) Amazing. And then they can get Ziva meditation info and all that stuff that way as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So zivameditation.com is our main website. And then the show, the new podcast is why isn't everyone doing this? Amazing. Amazing. Uh, Well, this has been so 
amazing. I love talking to you, Emily. I'd love to leave our listeners with just a way that they can start to think about embodiment because it's a word that people hear but may not really know what mm-hmm. it means. So yeah, let's say that someone is looking for more clarity in their life. Mm-hmm. What's something like as a daily practice where instead of just wanting to figure – because when people are looking for clarity, there are a lot of time in their mind trying to figure it out, figure it out, figure it out, pros, cons, da, da, da. We can only tr- truly have clarity when we really embody discernment and clarity and presence and surrender and all those kinds of things. So what would be a tip for moving into embodying clarity instead of trying to think our way through it? Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for asking this. And so this is such a simple answer and so outrageously profound is that when you find yourself trying to problem solve, or if you're trying, if you find yourself trying to think your way through your problems instead, can we do just, it's like a minute by minute, hour by hour practice of instead of me trying to think my way through my feelings, can I instead put my awareness on my body and feel my feelings. And it's, it's, it's almost sounds like comically simple, but I love the Glennon Doyle quote, which is feelings are meant for feeling. (laughs) And instead what we try to do is we try to think our way through our feelings. And interestingly, if you get into this, it's almost like a mindfulness practice, right? Where where you just keep coming back and coming back where, Oh, here I am again. I don't like this feeling in my body. I don't like this anxiety. I don't like this sadness. I don't like this disappointment. So let me try and solve the circumstances that I assume led to this feeling. And which is a very common habit that we're all in instead taking our awareness out of the head, dropping it down into the heart and the hoo-ha, which we just did in this, in this mini exercise actually getting curious, where in my body am I feeling this feeling? And can you give it the respect and the honor of simply witnessing it? Like our feelings, just like everyone else want to be seen and witnessed. And so once you put your attention on it, not with the agenda to transmute it, but actually honoring it, and then it moves. It's truly, it's like a 90 second phenomenon And there might be another wave behind that, another 90 seconds, and then maybe another 90 seconds, but eventually we're going to get to clarity. We're going to get to the truth. We're going to be able to listen to the truth underneath the feelings. But if we spend our whole lives not feeling the feeling and then trying to solve the problem, we're just going to make more problems. And then it's going to keep getting us further and further away from the actual clarity that we're looking for. Mm, So true. (laughs) It's so true. We can't think our way to clarity. Yeah. And we can't think our way through our feelings. No. Oh my gosh. I'm all about feeling feelings. That's my whole ethos of everything that I do because when – when we don't, they they do manifest in other ways and not not really not really ways that we desire. So, and I love that as a meditation teacher, it's one of the many things you do, but as a meditation teacher and guide, you are really encouraging feelings because I think one of the misunderstandings about meditation too is just to bypass the feelings and go to this state of bliss, like to leave mm-hmm. versus just really being in them and sitting with them. And to me, that's yes. a big part of my meditation practice is just greeting whatever comes up instead of trying to control myself to get to some place of bliss or calm. Really, sometimes my meditation is just sitting and being with my worry or being with my anxiety. And that's my practice. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And one thing that's paradoxical is that the bliss, 
which I would art define as bliss chemistry. I define bliss as the piece of you that knows that everything is okay. And when you start to access that regularly in a self-sufficient way, paradoxically, it frees you up to feel all 88 keys of the human mm. spectrum of emotions mm. versus feeling like I have to only play like these three notes of happiness and joy and safety. It's like, no, my body feels safe. So I actually can feel rage. I can feel ecstasy. I can feel disappointment because I know that I'm going to move through it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, so good. And I know that you're going to continue to give incredibly juicy, amazing tips at this Embody Bliss event that's happening May 17th, everybody. What time is it at? 1 p.m. Eastern time. 1 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So everybody, again, that link is christinehatzer.com slash Emily. Even if you're listening to this show after May 17th, you can still go there. It'll take you where you need to go. You can check out Ziva Meditation. Any other place you want to send people or where ways they can connect with you, Emily? Yeah. I mean, we're on Instagram at Ziva Meditation, but the main thing I'm so excited about is just this, this podcast that we put so much love into called Why Isn't Everyone Doing This? And it's, it's really an opportunity for me to interview people like you. I'm so excited you're going to be a guest Mm. and to ask you the question of, Hey, when is the moment in your life where you found something so good that you honestly, genuinely asked yourself that question? Like, why isn't everyone doing this? So for me, it was when I found meditation. And then now that I'm discovering these more embodied tools, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. And I have such amazing friends and experts that I'm excited to ask them the question too. So each episode, you're going to really get like some new cutting edge, even taboo healing modalities. So you can make an educated decision about if this feels like something you want to add to your repertoire. I love it. Love it. I can't wait to be on the show whenever that happens. And I know a lot of the people you've already interviewed and it's juicy and amazing and such great conversations. So everybody check that out as well. Why isn't everybody doing this? Thank you, Emily. Thanks for coming back. I love my conversations with you. Thank you for your magic and, and mm. everything that you share and just for, for who you be in the world. It really radiates mm. from you. Thank you so much. Same back at you. You are such a shining light and it's an honor to be here. <laughs>